Bay Shelby Road, last week we started a brand new teaching series called The Waiting Room. What do we do when we're in a hurry and God isn't? I think that we find ourselves in a space like this very often. Maybe there's something that you have been waiting for, something you are eagerly hoping for, and it seems like God is just taking his time in delivering it. Or there's just uncertainty about whether or not he even will. This is a dangerous space for us to be in because our faith will either grow here by leaps and bounds or it will go here to begin to die. And our response has everything to do with that. So last week we talked about exercises that God gives us in the waiting room to ensure that our faith in him remains strong. And last week, the exercise that we talked about had to do with our thinking that we need to intentionally decide that the weight is good. And this week, the exercise that we have has to do with what we're listening to, and it's this. We need to listen to God's warnings. We need to listen to God's warnings. God has warnings posted for us as we are in the space of waiting because there are dangers there to our faith. In particular, there is a fear as we are waiting on God that can creep up on us. And it's the fear of disappointment that maybe what it is that we're hoping for, whatever it is that we're waiting for, isn't actually going to be delivered in the way that we were hoping it would be, or we're going to end up disappointed. God's not going to give the thing that we've been asking him for. Maybe for you, it's companionship, that relationship that you're afraid is not actually going to be on the other side of your weight. Maybe your parents and you are waiting for a kid to come back to you and to re-engage your relationship, and you're just not sure if that's going to happen, you're getting afraid, and you're feeling disappointment grip your heart. Maybe you're married and you're hoping to become parents, and this is something that you've been waiting for for a long time, and you just don't know And the fear is speaking very loudly right now. Maybe it's financial stability you've been waiting for or healing or I don't know whatever it is. But undoubtedly, the dangers of the waiting room is that we get a sign that this might not actually happen the way that we've been waiting for it to happen, the way that we've been hoping for it to happen. And this puts our faith in God a danger of diminishing, and God knows this, and he has experience in this area, and so he has posted warnings for us as we are in a season of waiting that will help us, if we listen to them, keep our faith in God, and end up on the other side with more confidence in him and not less. Uh, I found this meme the other day of uh, dad who had taken a series of pictures of a warning sign about quicksand. And uh, if you're anything like me, you think this is absolutely hilarious. And if you are not like me, then you need to get a better sense of humor and have more fun in life. Because come on, this is, this is classic dad joke stuff. I've been a dad for a little over a year and I can already tell the transition is happening, man. This is going to be me. Um, but either way, the the, the point remains that we post warnings where there are dangers and we encounter this on the road when we're driving down the road and there's a curve ahead or there's a bridge out or there is a, a road that's closed and they're posted in areas of danger so that we can avoid them and we can stay on the path that we're on. God's warnings in the wilderness of waiting 
work the very same way. He is aware of the dangers to our faith in that time, particularly when disappointment and fear begin to grip our hearts. And so he posts warnings about things that we're tempted to do that we need to avoid so that we can end up with stronger faith in him. And we encounter these warnings. We've got three of them for us here today in Numbers chapter 14. So I'm going to ask you to turn there with me. Numbers 14. And Numbers is kind of right at the beginning of your Bible. And in the book of Numbers, we encounter the people of Israel, God's chosen people, whom he has set free from slavery in Egypt. So they've been waiting for a long time for freedom from slavery. And now they're going through the wilderness on their way to a land that God has taken them to that will be their home. So now they're waiting for a home. And God has told them that this is a land flowing with milk and honey. This has got pleasure and provision all over the place in this land. And they are getting nearer and nearer to it. But that fear, that disappointment, that that thing that wells up inside of their spirit is beginning to grip them. And that's where we encounter them because they got a sign that this land is not all it's cracked up to be. Sometimes God leaves the details out and it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but hey, there's also giants there and it's a dangerous task to take this land. This is not something that they anticipated. And so many of them are gripped with this fear and gripped with the disappointment that the thing that they've been waiting for for so long is not going to be exactly what they were hoping for. And in this place, they respond a certain way. And in this passage, as God tells us a story of his experience leading these people through their wilderness of waiting, he gives us three important warnings. And for the first one, we see it's right here. Don't complain. Don't complain. This is the first warning that God gives us. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. It says this. That night, when they had gotten the bad report from the land, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled, that's complained, against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or this wilderness... Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Why is he bringing us here only to disappoint us? Why has he brought us all this way only to disappoint us? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? Isn't that crazy? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It's the first warning that God has for us. Don't complain. When we're in a season of waiting, one of the clear and present dangerous temptations that we have is to complain. It's only natural. Have you ever complained when you're waiting for something? Imagine yourself the last time that you were uh, waiting in line at a grocery store, especially now. Uh, maybe the last time that you were uh, waiting in line at a drive through and the person ahead of you and you're counting the heads of the people in the car and you're like, there's no way that this many people have ordered this much food. Have you ever done that before? I've done that before. Or maybe you've been, uh, have experienced uh, traveling and in your experience traveling, you had a flight get delayed. One time I was on my way to the Dominican Republic and we were in Atlanta and our flight got delayed for, count them, eight hours. Uh, that was a true inconvenience and I felt it. 
you feel the temptation to complain. And complaining is native tongue for us. It was for the Israelites in this time, and it is for us. They started to grumble, and we start to grumble. You feel that go on inside of you, and it comes out of your lips. And what we say is important, right? What we confess with our lips is important. It has effect on the people around us, and it has an effect on our own spirit. You can speak yourself into a certain place spiritually. Did you know this? It's part of the reason why God wants us to have a faith that speaks, a faith that sings, that we declare with our lips, that when we come to him and make him our Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ, when we do that, we say something about ourselves and about him. We declare with our lips that we are following him now and not ourselves. What we say matters. And so when complaint comes out of our mouths, it has a tremendous negative effect. And the reason is because there's a root of complaint inside of our spirits, and it's pride. Complaint is what pride sounds like. If you've ever wondered what your pride sounds like, it sounds like complaining because truly you are not in control in this life. And whether or not we realize this, that we're not in control, we're not in control. And when we encounter things in our lives that we would rather not be there or things that we would never have chosen ourselves, like having to wait for something that we would really like to have, we begin to feel the voice of pride grow large within us. And we realize this isn't where I want to be. I never would have chosen this. And I start to say so. And it feels right to do it. Complaint feeds itself. So do you complain? Are you complaining about anything right now? Are you complaining about maybe what you can go and buy and what you can't go and buy right now? Are you complaining publicly? Are you complaining online? Are you complaining to your family about certain things? Are you complaining about the, the food that you have or the snacks that you have available or not available or complaining at all about anything like this? Complaint is prevalent and it's powerful. And God warns us as we are in seasons of waiting, do not, do not complain. When you do, you feed your pride. And complaint ends up growing on complaint. The more that you complain about what you are going through, the more that you will feed your pride because your complaint says this, I should be God, not God. And you might not think that that's what you're saying every time that you complain, but it is. Because God is the one who is in control, sovereign control of your whole life, and has decided that you should be waiting in the drive through line right now at this time for this length of time. He has decided that you should endure a delay in your flight, that you should be in the place that you're in. He has made this decision to allow it in his sovereign will. And when I complain and I say, no, this is, this is terrible. I'm grumbling against the Lord. I'm spending all my time angry and annoyed at this. I am saying without saying it, I know better how my life should go than God does. And so we complain and God says, warning, you need to stop it. Stop complaining. How do we do this? I want to give you a tip here for this warning sign, how to follow it up. Every time that you want to complain in a season of waiting, say so. Call it out. 
Call it out to a friend, call it out to God in prayer and say, instead of the complaint, as you feel the complaint happening, say, Lord, I want to complain right now. I want to complain, Lord, all I want to do right now is complain about the situation that I'm in. Please help me not complain. I want to help me. Call it out and then follow it up with what I call a grenade of gratitude. Just start throwing gratitude in and letting that come out of your mouth instead of whatever it is that you're complaining about because there are things to be grateful for in a season of waiting. And the more that I focus on those things, the less I'm going to be inclined to be focusing on what I'm tempted to complain about. And if we don't heed this warning, it's going to grow into something even more sinister, which is why God's given us the second warning that we have today. Warning number one, don't complain. Warning number two, don't rebel. When disappointment and fear grip your heart and complaint begins to rest on your lips, rebellion is only a step away. We see this in Numbers 14, verses 5 through 9. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the whole Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Yes, there's danger there, but it's a good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. In your fear and in your disappointment, don't rebel. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The second warning that God gives us is, don't rebel. Don't rebel. This is going to be a temptation here, because... I desperately, in my sinful nature, want to feel like I'm in control of my life. And when I'm in the waiting room, I am probably, I'm probably forced to realize the truth that I'm not in control more than any other time when I'm waiting. And I don't have control to deliver the thing that I have been waiting for. So sometimes, a lot of times, if I've not heeded the first warning that I'm not going to complain and I've been allowing complaint to rest on my lips... Rebellion is one step away because I'll go for that in my sinful nature for a few different reasons. Here's the first one. It's familiar. Rebellion is familiar. Chances are, in a season of waiting, if you are tempted to rebel against God and do something that you know he does not want you to do, it's going to be a familiar sin. It's going to be what I call a comfort sin. It's going to be something that you have done before, most likely, that you've gone to because it gives you that illusion of comfort. It's familiar to you. And the Egyptians are saying, we, or the Israelites are saying, we should go back to Egypt. We should go back to slavery. Why? Because it's familiar. They're willing to choose the slavery that is in their past as opposed to the freedom in their future because one is uncertain and the other one isn't. It's familiar. We do this. We go back to a familiar rebellion. It's comforting. Uh, we, we go after a particular sin, uh, a comfort sin, in a season of waiting because we are uncomfortable and we are looking to be comforted. We're looking to be comfortable. This is a reality. It gives us the sense of comfort that we are lacking in because we're not going to God for it. We're complaining against him, remember. So I'm kind of believing that he's against me in all of this. And so 
the comfort that I want is kind of up to me and that's it. So this is where I'm going. We also rebel in these seasons because it's satisfying. Hear me out here. It's satisfying because the God whom we are now frustrated with because we've been complaining and we are beginning to take the step of rebellion, the reason that we do this is because it slaps God in the face. I want the satisfaction in my sinful heart of saying, God, you're not going to give me what it is that I'm waiting for, then I'm going to do blank. Whatever it may be, it could be, uh, I've been waiting for companionship, so I'm just going to date this person that is interested in me regardless of whether or not they're a believer because I don't care to do it your way anymore. could be that, could be a substance that you have been tempted by in the past, but you're looking to move on from. But in a time of waiting and disappointment and fear, you've been complaining. Now you're moving into rebellion. You're saying, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do because you are not for me. It's satisfying. could be an angry outburst. You just decide that you're not going to be somebody who checks their anger anymore. It could be gluttony. It could be your comfort sin could be comfort food where you overeat all the time in order to feel in control, to feel comforted, uh, to just say again in your heart, I don't care to do it your way anymore because you clearly are not for me because this season of waiting is not ending up the way that I thought it would. Warnings. Don't complain. Don't rebel. Every time that you feel the temptation to respond this way in a season of waiting, here's my advice to you. Tell God exactly what you're feeling and tell a friend. You need to have a close Christian friend that you tell when you're feeling like this so that you can set up guardrails against this kind of behavior that will ultimately destroy you. You can do this. You can say, Lord, this is what I'm tempted to do. And so I'm, I'm telling you and I'm telling my friend so that we can set up an accountability so that I don't go where I'm tempted to go. And I don't rebel the way that I'm tempted to rebel against you right now because I am unhappy about the season that I'm in. And I'm afraid that you are only going to disappoint me. Honesty with God is always the way to go. And if you tell a friend, you can set up an accountability to help you resist the temptation to rebel in a season of waiting because you're afraid of what's actually going to happen and you're fearing that God is not actually for you, that he's against you. When the truth is that he is for you completely, remember the wait is good. So, warning number one, don't complain. Warning number two, don't rebel. And here's warning number three, don't fit in. We encounter this in Numbers 14, verse 23. God has gotten upset with the people understandably, and he has said this, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. That's, that's harsh. But listen to this. But because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into and his descendants will inherit it. Caleb was one of 12 men that the Israelites sent ahead into the land to kind of on a recon mission to see what it was like and to report back. He did this and only he and Joshua came back and gave a good report. They said, yes, there's danger, but God is with us. We're factoring in the presence of God here and we believe that he is for us. And the other 10 guys said, nope, God's against us. He's duped us. This is not the land that we thought it was going to be and you should be disappointed. And they've kind of led that rebellion, whereas Caleb and Joshua were of, as it says here, a different spirit. 
and a different spirit. So here's the warning that God gives. Don't fit in. In a season of waiting, in a season of difficulty, like the one we're in right now, it can be a strong temptation to fit in with the crowd. And it sounds like a high school thing to say, but trust me when I tell you, this is a clear and present danger for us because it's easy to do what the crowd does. The crowd is saying we should go back to Egypt. We should abandon ship. We should lose our faith and confidence in God and put it in another leader or in ourselves. When you are in that crowd, it is very easy to do what the crowd does. Let me put it in our context today. It's very easy to share what the crowd shares online. It's very easy to like what the crowd likes. It's very easy to believe what the crowd believes. It's very easy to do what the crowd does. And it's especially easy when the crowd that I'm looking around to, they are Christians like me, and they're responding a particular way. And I have overexposed myself to crowd think and crowd mentality, and I have underexposed myself to the way that God thinks and what his mentality is. And so I'm telling you the same thing. God tells you here, don't fit in. Belong with God. Don't fit into the crowd. It's so easy to do. And the best way to do this is to do what I'm sure Caleb and Joshua were doing at this time. I think the reason that they had cultivated a different spirit is right here in the text where it says that Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. To follow God wholeheartedly, the only way to do that is to increase my exposure time to the way that God thinks and responds to life and to decrease my exposure time to the way the crowd thinks and responds to life. So here's my tip for you on how to heed this last warning today. One day this week, one day, I would love for you to do more than one day, but here's my challenge, one day this week. Spend more time reading the Word of God than you do on Facebook or Instagram or any other social media. I'm not saying that everything on Facebook is bad. I'm not saying everything on Instagram is bad. No, I'm saying spend more time here and less time there. I'm, I'm talking real time, actual time. I'm going to do this same thing this week. Spend more time here than you do there. Expose yourself to God's thinking and God's way of responding to life more than you do to the crowd's way of thinking and responding to life and see what God starts to do in your spirit. Respond to that and cultivate what I think will be a different spirit so that you can discern. When the crowd moves a certain way, you can point at that and go, I don't think that's the way God wants us to go. And you can go the other direction and follow after God. I have a warning for you here, a warning on top of a warning. If you do this, it's going to be weird. You are going to be weird. You're going to stand out a bit. And you may even get some ridicule from the people who are in the crowd. But I'm telling you it's worth it because you will receive the praise of God at the end of the day. And on the other side of the waiting room, you will have faith that is more robust and stronger than you would have any other way. Don't complain. Don't rebel. Don't fit in. One of these warnings is speaking loudly to you right now because God's spirit is letting you know that this thing that he's warning you here against is a danger for you. And you need to listen to it today. Listen to the warnings of God, okay? Last week, decide that the wait is good, and in the wilderness of the waiting room, listen to God's warnings. 
And if we do, we will end up with stronger faith on the other side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the warnings that you give us in the wilderness of the waiting room. Help us listen to them. Help us respond to them so that we are protected from the danger of diminishing faith in our season of waiting. Lord, we love you. Give us the strength of spirit that we need to do these things today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.